Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. The place for pets and the people who love them. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Here are your hosts, practicing veterinarians, Dr. Roger Welton and Dr. Karen Lewis. Hello, pet lovers, and welcome back to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. My name is Dr. Roger Welton, coming to you with my lovely co-host from Illinois, Dr. Karen Lewis. Good evening, Karen. Good evening, Dr. Roger. So tonight we're going to be talking about something that I get questioned about all the time whenever, uh, or not whenever, but very often when I diagnose a patient with infectious disease especially, things you can get from your pets. Specifically, though, tonight we're going to focus on parasites. Oh, yes. Whenever I do, they dreaded conversation on the phone. You call an owner, you get the fecal results back, and you're like, okay, your pet has this. The first question always is how to get rid of it, and the second question is can me or my other pets get this? Right. Or or can my kids? That's the big one, too. So we're going to talk about today what parasites you or your kids actually can get from your pet and what is actually a lot of hype, and you'd have to do some pretty crazy things to actually truly get those parasites from your pet. So we'll cover – I hope you'll end this feeling calmer and not more anxious about the potentials. Yes. Well, but but calmer, not anxious, but ready to do their due diligence in submitting that fecal – or that yes. stool sample every year with their yearly just to make sure that nobody's in danger. So before we dive into the parasitic topic, we have a really funny email actually uh, from Hector from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Sort of my neck of the woods, a couple hours south of here. Um, I got it right here in front of me. It's um, it's actually it's short and to the sweet. It's short, sweet, and to the point, and actually quite humorous. You ready for it, Doctor Karen? Yeah. All right. Hi, Dr. Welton and Dr. Lewis. My name is Hector from Deerfield Beach, Florida. I believe he's emailed us before, by the way. I think he sounds familiar. Yeah. In your discussion about ovariohysterectomies, you mentioned that you had to tear the suspensory ligament with brute force on a large mastiff. I have observed ovariohysterectomies before, and tearing this ligament seems almost barbaric. I'm not saying that it is at all wrong, but I wonder why one wouldn't just snip this ligament with a scissor or scalpel. Also... O-H-E is such a big word. I think people started using, quote, spay out of laziness. That's my best guess. Sincerely, Hector. <laughs> so Hector, I believe, is referring to our, our, you know, maybe we shouldn't just call it a spay so people take the ovarian hysterectomy more seriously and not let them play Frisbee after and maybe be willing <laughs> to pay for it, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, but because, we, because I think we were even talking about, like, whoever made up the word spay, but, yeah, yeah I, I think it is a fast, quick, and easy word, sure. so... Sure. Hey, I'd say so, your guess uh, is as good as any there, Mister Hector. Um, yeah, I but, like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you jump in here on the on the suspensory ligament, Doctor Karen? Oh, okay. So uh, um, I'm first going to say that uh, Hector, I agree with you on being like, wow, that is brutal. When I was in vet school, uh, that was and, the scariest thing. To, yeah. Oh yeah, it is like the most horrifying thing you do in junior surgery, yeah. and um, I had this decent sized dog and there are people in surgery who had the misfortune of having larger dogs and uh, I will never forget the surgery professor coming up to us and we're trying to we're scared to death and we're like strumming this ligament like barely and the surgery professor comes over sticks her finger in the abdomen picks the dog up off the table by the ligament okay I mean she has her finger in this ligament and is picking it like the whole dog moved we're all like like freaking out you know and then she tear then she's like there you go and we all were just like, uh, 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 uh thanks, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, it's it's a really strong ligament because 
it's meant to do its job and keep the ovaries and uterus in place and it's not meant to let it flop around but it's got to support puppies in those uterine horns yeah i mean it, it, it's got a very important job until you're trying to remove it but uh, the reason we don't or the, the my understanding of the reason we don't go and snip it and we have to tear it is uh two things first of all whenever you tear something there's a lot of things in surgery that we tear and don't cut a smooth cut will let all the little tiny blood vessels in there bleed and if you tear, they automatically zip and coagulate themselves in a way. So you actually get less bleeding through tearing than with cutting, which sounds a little bit counterintuitive, I know. Uh, the second reason is there's a lot of really, really, really important vessels down there. And if you were to take a scalpel blade and be off by a millimeter, you could cut something very, very bad. So you can't hurt by tearing it because these things won't tear. They're stretchy, the vessels and things you don't want to cut. But if you... Um, put a scalpel or scissors down there, like I said, you could do some, some damage. So that that's my, those are my two reasons. Uh, Dr. Roger, what do you think? I agree with that. And hundred uh, percent. I mean, there's kidneys right there. There's the renal artery right there, all kinds of sensitive blood vessels that you don't want to be. And, and you know, you're also doing it blindly because it's usually cranial or in front cranial to or in front of um, well in front of the ovary, which is, you know, your, your, your hand is actually up in there forward you're actually not seeing it most of the time so you're yeah kind of just, and that's a good point you, yeah. you wouldn't even know what you were cutting yeah because <laughs> tearing you go by feel but you're right cutting would just be terrifying it would be agreed and the other thing about the bleeding absolutely yes and another ligament we tear that um we didn't bring up but it's the, the broad ligament that's along the the uterine horn we kind of just tear that and again we tear it versus cut it because it broad ligament it's fat so fat's going to bre- bleed quite a bit it's very vascular so yeah i agree with that whole assessment and realistically there's really no nerve endings on it i mean i don't think we're hurting anything by tearing it and uh lastly that's what i was taught and that's what everybody does so it's got to be the right thing to do <laughs> yep <laughs> you do it you're taught and in surgery you don't question <laughs> so yeah. yeah no exactly so thank you hector i appreciate the the email keep them coming i like your comments <laughs> and they're quick yeah <laughs> <laughs> quick is good so so, Dr. Karen, let's let's talk about some parasites that people yeah, so can get. Yeah, because we were talking today about, whoa, what should we talk about? And I, I just did a blog post on whipworms. You're we talking about tapeworms and then about how your sister's dog just had whipworms. So it all just kind of fell together. And we we're talking about, you know, things you can get from your dog uh, and things that are more hype. Dog or cat, actually, I should say. And oh, uh, where do I start? Actually, let's start with one that uh, people tend to worry about a lot and actually isn't very scary, and that one's Giardia. Okay. Because I see uh, a lot of dogs and cats will test positive for Giardia, and Giardia is something people can get. There wasn't there a, oh my gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but there was a town, I think it was Wisconsin. Do you remember the story? I think it was in the 90s. And the water treatment plant failed, and the entire town had Giardia. The Walmart sold out of toilet paper. Ooh, nice. I kid you not. Okay. <laughs> and so, the, so you're more likely, more likely to get Giardia from drinking questionable water in a third world country or if your water treatment plant breaks in town than you are from your pet. Reason being, the life form of the parasite that your pet is secreting is a cyst, and that is not the truly infectious form. It has to kind of mutate and go through a couple other forms before it becomes one that you could ingest. So if your dog or cat with Giardia were to poop in a puddle in your yard and the puddle were to stay there for several days and then you decided to go drink out of it, you would get Giardia from your pet. Yeah, so don't do that. 
so don't know <laughs> for a number of reasons. <laughs> so anyway, do you, um, do you see a, quite a bit of Giardia, Dr. Roger? Oh, yes. We're, we, yeah, I mean, just look at our climate. A lot of fresh standing water. Yeah, we have a lot of Giardia. A lot of it's subclinical, though, I'll be honest. And, and so I'm not sure what tests you're running, but, you know, you have the, uh, the Giardia antigen test and also mm-hmm. visually seeing the, 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 the cysts. And um, I get positive antigens a lot. And I don't necessarily even treat them. If they're not clinical, I just say, watch for diarrhea. Call me if you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of them don't usually clinically manifest the disease. Uh, I mean, at least one a day, maybe more. Yeah. So. And it's funny. So I, I might have, I'm having deja vu. I might have told the story, but we about, oh, I don't know. I feel old now. Maybe eight years ago, nationally kind of changed the way we run fecals. We used to do something called a float. It was much less sensitive. And then we changed to something called centrifugation, which gets a lot more of the eggs and giardia cysts and all these things up to the surface for us to see them. And many clinics, after they switched from the floating, the old way to the new, more sensitive way, saw this spike in giardia diagnoses. I was in one lecture where they said 20% of cats normally have giardia living in their intestines. Under normal circumstances, yeah, it, and it's and it's not anything you need to stress. And you can recheck fecal and recheck fecal, and they'll always be positive. And the owners are pulling out their hair. You'll pull out your hair. Um, oh my gosh, Michael Lappin, love him. I don't know if you have ever gone to any of his lectures. He's a uh, he's a cat guru. If you ever get a chance to go to his lectures at a conference, Doctor Roger, go. He's okay. a fantastic speaker, and he knows his stuff. Anyway, his suggestion for rechecking a cat after you've diagnosed Giardia, and if you treated it a couple times, was to um, do the fecal the old-fashioned way, underfill the cup, read it at night on a microscope that does not have a light and only has a mirror <laughs> oh, old with no moon old. outside. Oh, nice. So <laughs> his point was give up, but yeah. yes. No, that's so. great. And, and and to that point, you know, there there's some that even consider it just part of their flora, you know, right. Part of, Kind of their what, what, what it's called the um, the microbiome now is the yes. sexy word for it. The I wouldn't call it sexy, but it's a word. <laughs> yeah. Bowel flora. Oh, by the yes. way, do you know what the microbiome weighs in people? What its mass is? Oh, it's crazy high. I don't know. Two kilograms. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's wow. Well, yeah, that that's a lot of bacteria. That's like five. Oh, that's over. Yeah, that's like five pounds of of bacteria. Yeah. That's what lives in your intestines under normal circumstances. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, so, I heard that anyway. during a veterinary lecture. He was talking about the microbiome and how important it is, but big, big tangent there. Sorry about that. I just, That's okay. that random, I'm, still think, I'm still processing that right now, if you can tell. Yeah. Two kilograms, so. yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. But good point about Giardia. Don't panic about it. Um, I wouldn't go you know, licking your fingers after you pick up the poop. Um, right. General common sense. You know, as long as no one in the house is eating poop or don't clean the litter box and eat an apple without washing your hands in between, probably would be smart. So, yeah, or chicken wings. Yeah. Doesn't apply to you, I know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so that's, that's Giardia. Should we, should we go with the next one that another one that they, people probably won't get? Uh, might as well. It's only one other. So, might as well knock toxoplasmosis, it out. Toxoplasmosis, I'm going to guess, right? Toxoplasmosis. So, we we were discussing before the show. There was a very funny movie called Nine Months that came out. I don't know. Was that still the nineties? I think it's a Hugh Grant. The nineties are so far away 90s. now. It's all rash. <laughs> I want to say it was the nineties. Hugh Grant 
basically did all his body of work in the 90s. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So, so his, his wife is pregnant. It's just this comedy about that whole process. And the funniest part of the movie that really makes the movie is the Russian, uh, the Russian doctor, uh, played by Robin Williams. <laughs> he, he was very funny in that. I just thought of a line that's probably not appropriate to say on the show, so I'll just leave that out there. But um, he brought up that, uh, oh, what the heck? I'm going to say it. He says to the wife, he says, oh, I see you have a little pussy. And she's mortified that he said that. And he goes, no, 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 meow, meow, cat, cat, you know. And she's like, oh, oh, right, okay, yeah. He goes, yes, must get rid of cat. And, and uh, the reason he gave was toxoplasmosis. So now you have all these people thinking after that that they got to get rid of their cat. You know, I, I, I would – I hope no cats were legitimately given up after that movie. But, um, you know. Hopefully they at least asked their vet first before they made a rash decision. But there are doctors who say, oh, you shouldn't have a cat if you're pregnant. I, no. I'm getting it less now, oh, but 10 years doctors. ago – Human doctors. Yeah, yeah, human doctors. Yeah, 10 years ago I'd have clients come and their human doctor said, you know, you shouldn't be around the cat. And I tell people – Look, you're, the chances of you getting toxoplasmosis from this cat, seriously, go buy a lottery ticket, okay? Yeah. But as a fellow woman, use this as a great excuse to get your husband to clean the litter box just because. <laughs> I went through it twice, by the way. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, there, and, the hus- and I'm like, tell him, you know, the doctor said to, in an abundance of caution that you should always clean the litter box and the wives always kind of high five me and yeah, cool. <laughs> what a yeah. thing they have to do. So I'm going to one up that we, um, <laughs> we actually did toxo testing for all my cats. Uh-huh. Serology test, blood testing. And, and I cleaned the litter box, even though they all came back, came back negative. So, uh, yeah. Well, and actually, well, let me explain why this is. So if toxo, it's a little, um, amoeboid like parasite, kind of like Giardia, kind of similar. And, uh, your cat can get it from eating rodents outside. And the thing is, the way your cat your cat gets it and then uh, consumes it and the body sheds this organism in the stool for about two weeks. So during that two-week shedding is when you can get toxoplasmosis. However, once your cat kind of has toxoplasmosis, it doesn't keep getting it and keep shedding it. So after that two-week period, you're kind of off the hook. So if your cat is indoors and never doing anything outside or interacting with any rodents, it's not just going to up one day get toxoplasmosis, you know. Um, And interesting, uh, one of the vet techs I worked with at one of the clinics I was at was a vet tech for about 10 years and had her own titers texted just to see if she had ever been exposed to toxoplasmosis. Negative. So 10 years working with animals every day, covered in cat poop. I mean, you know, you know how it is when you're a vet tech. Sure. And she had no exposure. So that that for us really hit home. Like, wow, okay, we'll yeah. calm down. <laughs> That's, great. That's a very good point. Um, now, you are more likely to get it. I don't know how much more likely because this isn't our field, but uh, from eating undercooked meat. Pregnant There's meat. some, like, French – pork dish where they don't cook it all the way i i would i don't think i hate i don't like french food i don't eat meat so i got nothing on this one for many reasons (laughs) i know people get trichinosis Uh, oh horrible yeah Yeah. i don't know but anyway bad idea undercooked meat and 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 that's what a lot of doctors tell people now no soft cheese no undercooked meat which no undercooked meat is just a good rule to live by (laughs) you know for so many reasons and the big knock on toxoplasmosis just so everybody knows it can cause uh early term abortion um, in, which is bad. <laughs> yeah, that, which is very bad. So, so definitely a reason to for for 
to be aware, but to live in panic about it is just not it's just not realistic. Um but but make your husband clean the litter box anyway. Yeah. And you know what? Your cat can sit on your lap and do everything just like he normally always did. You know, you don't need to wear gloves to pet your cat, you know, nothing like that. So normal life. (laughs) One of the, one of the funniest aspects of that character that he played was he couldn't, he had very bad English. So I remember him going to order an epidural for her and he couldn't get the word out. And he said, give her an enema. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Anyway, really funny movie. I definitely advise watching it, even though he gave bad advice. Um, So, so we've, we've talked about two that, um, that you're not likely to get. Let's and introduce the media one that... wants to make you think you are likely to get. You know, I think right. these also get more media or just more general conversation than most. Well, if you had a town running out of toilet paper at Walmart, I mean, <laughs> I know, yeah, that's that's a problem. <laughs> and you know, Toxo is potentially a problem, uh, but but uh, let's talk about the ones that really are problems. I think let's 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 start with for me having two young children, roundworms. And the consequences of that. You want to jump into this one? Oh, sure. So roundworms, the the family name is Ascarid, and a lot of them have Ascaris in their name. So you might see that word if you're ever Googling it. But um, the big, bad, scary – there's a couple different kinds. The big, bad, scary one is the raccoon roundworm, and I cannot think of the name of it to save my life right now. But um, basically, uh, if you have raccoons in your area, they – poop in the sandbox or in the wood pile. The kid goes out and plays with it. It actually um, produces those eggs hatch into larvae, which migrate to the child's brain. In our parasitology class in vet school, we actually were taught about a boy, I think he ended up in Baltimore, who had severe what they call larval migrans, which is the larva migrating to the brain. And he died. And when they did the autopsy, his brain was 90% worms and 10% brain or something oh. just obnoxious horrible so that that story with this you know class full of veterinary students we were like okay note to self don't eat raccoon poop got it but um i'll let you talk about the one that dogs can actually give to kids which is more of the regular roundworm yeah so that so there's 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 two things that occur there um one of them and and there was actually a a, there's a show called the monsters within and it's on the animal channel uh and i was watching a few years ago and a kid actually went blind because of this. He's a four-year-old boy. Um, the there in, in certain individuals, and, and you're, we're talking like toddler age up to five years old. The worm could reach a stage of larval development where it could actually migrate into the uh, inside of the eye and cause irreversible blindness. Which you know that's certainly a tragedy for a, for for a young boy. And then um, the you know that. I actually wrote a blog about it way back then, well before we ever met, you know, because I was very, I was very kind of freaked out by that because at the time I think my son was four, you know, so guess who got everybody, everybody got fecals in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everybody got fecals. And then there's another presentation called um, dermal larval migraines where they can actually migrate through your skin and cause these like severe nasty rashes. Have you ever seen pictures of those? Mm, Oh God. They, They show pictures of people in these third world countries that get them and I'm just like, yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, actually, I read an article about a guy who like went to tour South America or something and picked up a parasite like this. Came home and the, my favorite quote of his was that he was harboring fantasies of hot showers with a cheese grater yeah. on his skin. Right. That's how bad it itched. Right. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. But um, actually, in our area here in um, the St. Louis area, 
about 20 years ago, we had a boy in Collinsville, Illinois, who had ocular larval migraines. He was about seven or eight, and he lost his vision in one eye just from one eye. Uh, from just playing. You know, what, the way you get it is through what they call the oral fecal route, meaning there's poop. Kids don't wash their hands before they come in for their PB&J sandwich, you know, or they put a wood chip in their mouth or something. That's why it's not adults getting this. It's right. kids, actually. Right. But, yeah, so it's not a common thing, but if it does happen, it's it's bad. So, um, and it's, the good news is these roundworms are something that always show up in a fecal. So if your dog has them, your cat has them, we'll know. So there's really not very many false negatives like there are for other parasites, which is nice. Yeah, and very easily treated, too. Oh, yeah. So definitely. It's one little shot of this oral liquid. Boom, have a nice day. You know. <laughs> Life is good. So, well, since we finish with the, the dermal migraines, let's, let's segue into skin. <laughs> um, yes. Most people have heard of ringworm. So ringworm is actually not a worm. <laughs> it, it, uh, it causes a circular lesion that kind of looks like a ring, but it's actually caused by a type of fungus called a dermatophyte. And um, I, I believe we get this most commonly from cats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got a story. I got a family story. It's not a it's not a happy story. Um, my my sister adopted this cat and ended up living with my parents because her domicile changed many years ago. She split up from her then fiance and um, she moved in with my parents for a bit till she transitioned on and moved on. And my dad fell in love with her cat, so she was heartbroken to take the cat away from my dad. His name was Henry. Love muffin of a cat. Him and my dad were attached at the hip. Well, Henry got out from the house and was missing for a week. My father was devastated, driving all over town, trying to find, well, we he found Henry. Oh, good. But Henry came back and within a few weeks had, had ringworm. Well, my dad caught it. And so now I have to, now I got, I got my, like at the time, my son is only three, my daughter's one. And I'm like, well, I can't have ringworm in my house. I couldn't bring the cat home. I got all these pets as well. Right. So I got to take Henry and bring him to the clinic and treat him in isolation. You know, the yeah. poor kitty. So um, traditional treatment did, didn't work. Um, you know, he was it was so disseminated on Henry at this point that um, he he just got got really really. Uh, he, he even ran a fever. You know, like he oh my had god, it that badly. Um, so. Topical therapy wasn't realistic, and he had it on the bridge of his nose. So, you know, how are you going to get yeah. topical clotrimazole in there? So we actually put him on uh, oral itraconazole, right? Which was very expensive. Um, it was also, you know, it's also potentially toxic to cats. We treated him with that. This, so this all goes on for four weeks. He looks great. His hair grows back. Life is good. Send him back to my dad. He's now cleared from his lesions. Within two weeks' time, my dad gets a new lesion. And then this time it spread to another part of his leg and then it was arm. And long story short, um, we took uh, Henry back. He he is now getting the lesions again. So we can't bring him back to my dad. We can't clear it in the cat. At this point, his liver enzymes are starting to go up from the intracotazole. We had to put Henry to sleep. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, so sad story, but I mean – the. That's not typically how it goes. <laughs> no, that's never how it goes. Yeah. Bad story. Ah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's not typically how it goes. But but it, you can catch it. And ringworm's kind of weird because I've touched it like 400 times in my life. I'm handling Henry. I'm treating Henry. And you never get it. I didn't get it. My wife didn't yeah. get it. 
And most so, and many people don't. And I've learned it's the ringworms I see are usually from a kitten. It's usually some purebred kitten from some horrible breeder. And um, it's always like the point of contact because it's a fungus, so it's through direct contact. I had a client who had it all over her neck because the kitten would love to like sit up on her shoulder and on her neck, and that's where she got it. So, but I also have a lot of people whose children get ringworm from the daycare, and then the dog or cat is falsely accused. Right. Because I have many people who come in and they're like, there's ringworm at the daycare. They wanted me to check the dog. I'm like, okay, your, your dog's fine. I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, dogs, if they have ringworm, you will know. They'll have a bald spot. It's flaky. It, it, it doesn't usually itch. It just looks scaly and it looks like it itch, but it usually doesn't bug them. Cats suck for ringworm <laughs> because they can be something called an inapparent carrier, meaning they can have ringworm. They can spread ringworm yeah. and not have a freaking single little spot of hair loss. So cats and ringworm just make some of us just want to get a gun and shoot ourselves sometimes. Um, The good news is, like I said, I had one lady. She was a little special. She uh, had a cat with chronic ringworm. She bathed with the cat in the tub, and she never got ringworm. I just said, I salute your immune system, (laughs) and I don't know what else to say. (laughs) So... I think it's if anybody who has any kind of compromised immune system at all is the first one to get it. Kids, you know, chemotherapy patients, HIV positive people, transplant recipients, you know, the the, the big ones. Um, but most like you and your wife didn't get it. Most, you know, your average healthy adults usually won't get it. Or if you do, it might be a little thing. It might even be self resolving. Yeah, my mom didn't get it either. She lived in the same house. Yeah, <clears throat> it was really really interesting. My dad just. Not immune suppressed, just very susceptible to ringworm. But that's a legitimate zoonotic disease. And then, of course, there's the sarcoptic mange. You want to want to jump in on this one? Oh, sure. I'm jumping in on a lot of these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so scabies. So I was just saying how ringworm doesn't itch. Oh, scabies itches. Oh, does it? Have you ever known anybody that got it? I don't know anyone who's ever gotten it, but. Oh, I do. Um, okay. One of my friends in vet school, her roommate had it. Okay. Um, and she said it and she was, like, washing her bedding every day and, like, freaking out about it, too. But the thing that sucks about scabies or sarcoptes is it's really – it's hard to diagnose because the, the test we do is a skin scrape, okay? So we're, we get a scalpel blade and we scrape – and we're just trying to scrape off the superficial part of the cells on the skin see if we can – catch any of those mites or their eggs and look, look at the microscope and look for the mites. Well, nine times out of ten, you're not going to see the mites because you can have a spot like three inch by three inch square with maybe like one or two mites in them. So the odds of catching those one or two mites are pretty slim. So you can get this, you can do this skin scrape, it'll be negative. But a lot of times if us vets, if you've been doing this long enough, you're like, eh, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, you know. It looks like sarcopies, we'll just go ahead and treat it. And the dog gets better and we're like, cool. So it's a frustrating thing because it's something people can get, and yet here we are not even too sure if your dog has it. Yeah, you know, the, the good thing is that the treatment, there's really no downside. It's super safe. Yeah, so just treat it and be and be done. Yeah. Yeah, if there's any question at all, I, I just treat it. Most people are like, when I explain to them that they can get it too, they're like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> you know, it's a no-brainer. Incidentally, I, I saw more of that. So it, it's a mite. Did you mention it was a mite? You mentioned mm, it was I a mite. I might have. Yeah, I might it's a, have. <laughs> it's, a microscope, it's a microscopic mite. looks like a little crab. Um, that gets in the skin. The um, I saw more of it in New York than I do here, which doesn't make sense. But actually, my parents' dog got it. Um, fenced yard, mm-hmm. 
in the suburbs, but they have uh, a woods and they have foxes. And um, I don't know if she ever came into direct contact with a fox. It must not have been very direct, but I actually confirmed it and so, I even scraped and got, got lucky and found a mite on her. Okay. So um, it's usually along the edges of the, of the ear and the elbow, although not every mite reads the manual on where to live on the dog, but that <laughs> just tends to be where they go anyway. But, um, but yeah, so it, it can be where you don't suspect it. Like my parents' golden retriever in their fence backyard, really. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> it was weird. You're expecting some malnutrition stray animal you know yeah and usually in rescue that's usually what we see and that's why she, and, and my mom was like it's gotta be sarcoptes and because no, she's been a vet's mom for such years on these stories I'm like oh shut up no it's not and then i scrape it i'm like oh crap <laughs> mom nailed it <laughs> nice well i'm glad i'm glad she you know had the suspicion because um she was right yeah now do you, other than that one person, do you know when anybody else has gotten it? I'm just trying to figure out how contagious yeah, it is. No, I, that I don't think. Well, and, and the times. thing is, okay, how do you prove it? I have a lot of people who think they have gotten it, you know, but they're like, I don't know. Did they? Did they not? <laughs> so, because I, I don't know how, how do you diagnose it in people? You can't do a skin scrape. I don't right? know, actually. Um, so, I feel like I have mange every time I touch a uh, Sharpay. Do they make you itchy, too? <laughs> Oh God, yeah. And I have like this crazy sensitive skin anyway, so yeah. If I if I like have to hold a Sharpay like with my elbow or something, oh yeah, it's yeah, awful. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah. So I, I don't think sarcopenes again. I think if you have a suppressed immune system like we talked about, you're obviously going to be more at risk. But a normal, healthy, average adult probably could live with a dog with sarcopenes. Use basic common sense like wash your hands after you pet them and probably be fine. Agreed. I mean, I I'm going to knock on wood here. Yeah, no kidding. I've never gotten it. Again, it's up there with ringworm. From No, I've touched ringworm way more than sarcoptic. Oh, but yeah. I've, cut, I've touched it enough times that I think I'm pretty immune to it. Uh, and I don't. I, I still have yet to meet one person that's had it. So, but, but still, if your dog has it, take precautions, like Dr. Karen said. So fleas, I, we bring up because, you know, we, fleas don't have the ability to really reproduce with our blood, but they can accidentally bite us. Um, they're seeking a warm body. They're seeking blood. And they will feed. Another another thing my poor dad gets. Not gets, but if there's dad a flea in the a house, mess. it will find my dad and bite his oh, ankle. God. Poor guy, right? Um, so so he does he does get flea bites um, if there's fleas around. He's kind of like our sentinel. If there's ringworm or fleas anywhere, we are going to evidence on my dad first. But whatever the case, we're not talking about my dad here. Um, so fleas, we're not the actually, definitive but... host. They can accidentally bite us. But um, they, they, they can't feed off of us. But they are a problematic pest. Getting bitten by fleas is annoying. Uh, but one of the reasons I brought them up is because, you know, they, they can spread disease. There was a story about an 11-year-old boy who was sleeping with his cat in California that – this is a couple of years ago, but it was in actually DVM, one of those, 360 or DVM mm-hmm. news magazine or whatever. Um, he actually got bubonic plague from his cat. Did you hear about that one? From the fleas on his cat. I'm sorry, from the fleas on his cat. <laughs> okay. Well, still, the cat. Indirectly the from the cat. Oh, that is crazy, though. Yeah. So, so supposedly, there's a lot of debate on this still, but, you know, the, the Black Plague that, you know, tore through Europe and wiped out, you know, half its population or whatever um, was caused by the bubonic plague, which is a bacterial disease transmitted by the flea. 
There's other theories that it was actually an Ebola virus, the way it spread, but I won't get into that. Oh, really? Because I thought it was just your Yersinia pestis, everybody knew, have a nice day. It was the fleas on the mice and rats is what I was always taught. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing, though. There, there, <laughs> I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but um, there's been a lot of epidemiological study about this that you had, the way it spread so quickly, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't spread person to person. Oh, you're right, because right. all of those people had to sleep with all those flea-infested mice at the same time. Right. So, and then, so how do you have these, far, these these population centers that are so far apart? Where's the connection? Are the yeah. rats following the people there? And that's why they believe it was something probably quite similar in terms of its clinical presentation with the big buboes and all that. Uh, but but it doesn't make sense epidemiologically. So Yeah, interesting. You're right, though. Come yeah. to think of it. That is a good point. But whatever the case plague is bad <laughs> it's not something you want to get antibiotics will treat it now but so you listen to this show to learn plague bad <laughs> <laughs> we're so helpful oh, yeah. Absolutely. sorry and the, so and there's also um and this is supposedly also carried by by by, by fleas but you're familiar with the bacteria Bartonella felis, which is one of the weirdest bacteria in the world. <laughs> and the most, yeah, the most confusing bacteria it because is. there's every year something new comes out that tells us that we were doing it wrong the year before in terms of how we tested and how we diagnosed it. But uh, I don't, and people, are they saying this is the one that causes cat, cat scratch disease now? Correct. Correct. Okay. And, and causes certain syndromes in certain felines. Right, but not most of the felines because sixty four percent or sixty six percent of the population feline population has this or has been exposed to this yet right some of them get like severe stomatitis, ulcerated gums, supposedly there's a link to Bartonella felis, but then you test for it, and it doesn't matter because there's lots of cats that have stomatitis that don't have Bartonella felis and but the big connection there is the fact that um it does cots cat scratch fever and it's it is supposedly carried by fleas and 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 there's a loose connection there it's not you know the last i i, I saw and I, i've just given up attending bartonella felis lectures because every time there's a new lecture i still learn nothing about it because it's just this mystery weird disease or a, is it a disease i don't know <laughs> yeah well actually i went to one so back to i don't know why this keeps coming up but michael lappin the um the vet speaker who he's a feline expert, he actually did an article, uh, a whole presentation on Bartonella. And um, you, you can also get it apparently through uh, somehow they shed some version of it through their feces. And um, he was always talking about getting cat, getting all the cat poop in your bloody hangnails because it has to be like feces in contact with your blood or something. But then he always, I don't know. I've never heard a lecturer talk so much about cat poop in your hangnails, but <laughs> apparently even then you can't get it. So I was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> he's a really good speaker though. I, I'm, I'm not doing it a service in my horrible summary right now, but <laughs> anyway, hangnails, cat poop. Good. So, <laughs> well, that, 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 uh, strange bacteria that may cause disease or may not, uh, and may, may be carried by fleas, but maybe not. Fleas are just something you don't want in your house anyway. So just that, that good rule is keep the fleas out of your home. You know, and the fleas here in, in Florida are like on steroids. These things, nothing kills them except for two products. <laughs> yeah, I've, and, and the, the new oral products, right? Like the, the Revecto products, yeah. and the Next yeah, Guard. They and laugh the, yeah. at Frontline. In fact, some of my, um, you know, Frontline is an oldie, but goodie. It's been around forever. It's safe. You can get it really cheap now because it's on every like 
Mm-hmm. You know, every every generic of, version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people come in there like, I think it's actually like an aphrodisiac for the fleas. <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly isn't working. So, but um, anyway, so I think we've covered them all here: roundworms, ringworm, mange, fleas, legitimate issues, giardia, toxoplasmosis. Less legitimate. Oh, you know, one more we could talk about too: hookworm. Ooh, hookworms. Yeah. Yeah, because they can actually. An adult human who does not play with poop and yeah. then go eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without, wash, without washing their hands can get it because they can actually – the larva can penetrate your skin. Yes. So yeah. you can walk – if your dog has hookworms, you're maybe not so great about picking up the poop. The eggs can mutate into the larva. The larva are sitting there in the grass. You're walking around in your grass barefoot. You're doing cartwheels, somersaults, whatever. They penetrate into your skin. Boom, you now have hookworms. Yeah, so like it, it, the feet is the most common way, I guess. Yes. Now the presentation in people, I, it, it really just causes a rash, correct? Or does it? As far as think, I know, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't think it makes so, its way to the. I intestines. think it can. Well, I think it can migrate, but I think it, it's a rash. But first, and most people get that addressed yeah. <laughs> before it can migrate to cause other symptoms. But um, oh, funny story. So I had a client who had just adopted this dog, and it was pos- the fecal was positive for hookworms. And apparently she had gotten a call from another doctor. Um, I was off that day that the fecal came back. And so a colleague of mine called her and told her about hookworms and, you know, don't walk around in your yard barefoot. He, you know, he did his due diligence and told her all the risks. So um, that freaked her out. And so she called me the next day and was like, I have all these questions. And so I, I tried to calm her down. And I was like, well, yes, this is true. You know, yeah, and he was absolutely right, but – you know, most people aren't living in their yard barefoot and aren't doing these things, you know, and um, she was relieved and um, <laughs> she didn't know that the guy she talked to the day before was a vet. And she was <laughs> like, you need to get that lab boy under control because he says way too many things he shouldn't say. And I was like, yes, I will absolutely address it with the lab boy dying call- because you- he's like a vet who's been around longer than me. <laughs> Did you call him lab boy? Hey, lab boy, yes, I got a message for you. Oh, yes. He got his own name tag, actually. He never lived it down. But, yeah. <laughs> so, but the point is, it is our job to tell you these things because, we're, you know, we need to make you aware of the same. We're not trying to scare the bejesus out of you at the same right. time, though. Right. Like the lab boy apparently did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, you know, we have immune systems. We have our own parasites for the most part. Um, there's a few caveats there. Just do your due diligence. Exercise common sense. Do the yearly fecal. Just all you gotta do is scoop up some poop and hand it to your vet. We'll do the rest. And wash your hands in between those two steps, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And and let's avoid undercooked meat because that's just yes. That's and anytime you handle poop, always a good idea to wash your hands. Just which again, common sense. But kids too, wash their hands before they eat. Don't play in the sandbox. And the, you know, so if you're doing that kind of stuff, life will be good. We promise. <laughs> So, so, no, so as not to frighten you, again, we're just trying to spread awareness as it is our job. And since Karen and I love to talk, we took it, we took it global tonight. <laughs> <laughs> not to frighten, but to educate. Yes. So, and if you do get any, you know, suspect lesions and, you're, and you go to your doctor to diagnose it, um, it might not always be from your pet. You know, so there are things that can come from your pet, but they can come from other sources too, like other people. So just food for thought. Ringworm, for instance, 
uh, can be transmitted through fomites. If I pet a ringworm cat and I touch the door handle, there's now ringworm fungus potentially on that door handle. You never touch the cat. You touch the door handle, you could possibly get ringworm. So it's not always directly the animal either. You know, things can get kind of hairy that way. But, again, not to freak you out, not that ringworms on every door handle, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to email comments on this one. Because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's going to be feast or famine on this one. I think we'll either get a few <laughs> or... Nothing. <laughs> well, you know what? And I'm gonna just I'm gonna just open this can of can of worms, pun intended. But um, anybody out there, if you've actually had a confirmed case of any of these diseases in you or your child or you know, I'd just be interested to hear because, like Dr. Roger was saying, he never knew anybody that had a confirmed case of scabies. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear like what was it like without. I mean, you don't need to tell us your medical history. We're not asking for you to divulge private information, but just in case you want to share and maybe help educate other people too, we'd be curious uh, what some of these were like. If you ever had a worm in your eye, or, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, or on the skin. Yeah, definitely. So that email address is comments at web-dvm.net, comments at web-dvm.net. That is also always present on our uh show page i believe at itunes as well as blog talk radio so you can see that there as well as the link to our wonderful blogs links to our wonderful blogs but obviously we do enjoy email questions so let's keep those coming hector i'd love for you for you to chime in on this one if you got any experience with this <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so that covers parasites that you can get if uh, also if we missed any that you um are aware of or you know just some unusual cases that's another thing i'd like to hear about as well any final thoughts thoughts there dr karen um no i think just uh you know listen to your vet if they tell you you know that your dog has something and how scary it is just take the precautions but don't lose sleep that's the take-home message yes and on that note i bid you all a wonderful sleepy night parasite free (laughs) good night everyone thanks guys Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.